You're listening to the Coach T Podcast hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Appreciate all the love and support out in the wrestling community. It is always fun to give back to the sport that has meant so much to me. And today I have my good friend, head coach of the Battle Creek Central Bearcats. That's what I was going to say. The Bearcats, Mr. Liam Knapp. How are you doing today? Hey, as well as can be expected. We, uh, what are we, 13 days from the season? Just chopping at the bit to get started. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, it's good times. Good times. Actually, uh, it's kind of crazy. I was just thinking, um, my, I, I stepped down from coaching, uh, after the 2020 season, right before COVID. And I was off for a year, and then I just had my first practice back as the middle school coach at Pinconning, where I teach at, and it was kind of like uh, riding a bike. So, look, and that's look- a great, great level to coach. You know, it doesn't have necessarily the cat. You know, everybody wants to coach in the state finals, but being able to coach in the middle school, it's it's so fulfilling and so rewarding, and and to see those guys build a base and a foundation and fundamentals. It's almost it's as pure as it gets. Yes, yes, and um, it, it's definitely a change of pace for me. But as you know, you coach long enough. I mean, coaching is coaching, and you are trying to develop great habits for your for your athletes, and and uh, that's that's what I look forward to doing here. And it's a shorter season too; it's only six weeks. But I'm it, it was fun practice yesterday was fun. But enough about me. Um, me and Coach Knapp go way back, almost like twenty years. Um, my junior year was when we started, we would go down to Battle Creek Central and wrestle a quad. It would be us, Battle Creek Central, Lansing Sexton, and Battle Creek Lakeview. And um, at that time, Liam was a starter for them at heavyweight, started all, all four years. I was at 189, so I did not get to wrestle him. Uh, he was too big, you know. I, you I don't know how I would have did. You were taller, too, so. <laughs> you kind of sprawled hard. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you got to watch out for the throws of me. That's that's all you got to look out for. Um, but uh, but Liam and I have, I have kept touch with each other throughout the years. Uh, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best wrestlers Valkyrie Central has ever produced. One of the best heavyweights that doesn't get a lot of uh, talk, in my opinion. Uh, we do talk about some other guys, but Liam's name should be up there. Uh, he's been coaching as alma mater, doing some great things. So first and foremost, thanks for being on the show, Liam. Tell me how you got involved in this great sport we know as wrestling. Well, uh, it was it was kind of just a default. Uh, in our house, I had eight brothers, and all eight of my brothers wrestled uh, to you know, whether in high school or in college. It varied, but uh, and my brother Vinny was a state champion for Brett Battle Creek St. Philip when okay. Battle Creek St. Philip had a wrestling program, uh, late eighties, early nineties. And um, as a kid, I was always very big, so I couldn't play in any of the uh, Pop Warner or Rocket football leagues. So I couldn't play football in elementary, so there was only a few sports I could do. And uh, I was a big fan of professional wrestling. And my dad said, hey, you want to go to wrestling practice? I thought, hell yeah, I'll jump off the top rope. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I'm telling somebody in a sharpshooter tonight. Right. And, and I get there, and we do that first warm-up lap, and this was at uh, Harper Creek. Uh, back when I was a kid, Battle Creek, Harper Creek had the best youth program in the city. Everyone wrestled there. It was a USAW club. Um, and that room was just, 
hotter than anything I've experienced since or, or even before. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember going to the door and I looked at my old man and I tried to get out of there to get a drink of water. And he just put his foot in front of the door and shook his head. <laughs> and <laughs> n- next thing you know, uh, you know, we're going to practice every week. And then before long, we were competing. And uh, it didn't take take much to get uh, get to the point where I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing this, I'm all done getting my face rubbed in the mat. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that. And uh, yeah, that's how I got started. Got signed up and couldn't leave the room to get a drink of water. And I've been stuck <laughs> in it ever since. <laughs> uh, I hate to hate to laugh, but that's, uh, you know, nowadays, I don't know if you could get away with it. <laughs> Even if it's your dad telling you to do that. Somebody well, would get him. <laughs> my my old man, I don't know if he'd make it in today's day and age. No one would tell him how to do his business. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so tell me about your high school career. What was it like, uh, Russell Battle Creek Central? So for me, as a Lansing guy, those big cities, the, the, the Lansings, the Battle Creeks, the Kalamazoo's, Grand Rapids, et cetera, those city schools had a strong tradition back in the 50s all the way to the 80s in some ways the early 90s and they produced some real hammers at the time so when you were at Valkyrie Central where was the program at at that time well I'll start uh, seventh and eighth grade we had at the time five middle schools Um, we had WK Kellogg Southwestern Southeastern Northwestern and Springfield and all five middle schools had a wrestling program And for the most part, all five middle schools fielded full teams. I mean, we had a ton of guys coming out for wrestling. And this was obviously before schools of choice. So, you know, uh, if this school or that school within whatever mile radius had a better wrestling program, kids wouldn't migrate because you had to go to school where you lived. So so we had five middle schools uh, with five wrestling programs and five really good coaches. I was very fortunate. I had uh, Battle Creek Central wrestler Juan Ramos and his family. Uh, that took me under their wing and really built up my self-confidence and and taught me how to perform under pressure. And then the program as a whole was being run by Scott Coverly, who was a wrestler at University of Michigan. And his assistant was Brian Lesh, who was a, uh, I believe, a freestyle and Greco state champion as a, you know, in the junior division. And then a uh, two-time state qualifier, I believe. I'm not sure if he ever placed. I'll have to check on the record books. And we had about, uh, we'd start the year with about 60 kids when I was wow. in ninth grade. Uh-huh. Um, and then by the end of the year, we'd, we'd pair down to about 35, 40. But uh, we, numbers were great. Um, enthusiasm was good. And this was at a time when we had just built, uh, had just renovated our athletic facilities. And so we had a multi-purpose room that could fit, I want to say, 10 mats from end to end. It used to be an Olympic-sized swimming pool, so we'd put 10 sections, 12 sections of mat down and roll them up every night. But, yeah, we had 40 to 50 guys at the start of every season, and it was really crazy. But my freshman year, although we had those numbers, we only had three freshmen. Right. So at that time, you could start to see a precipitous decline in numbers and i think a lot of it had to do with the lack of a youth program if you don't have a feeder system feeding into your junior high feeding into your high school you're treading water hoping that you can land a couple athletes and teach them how to wrestle by the time they're juniors or seniors right but uh like you said we used to have those great quads on uh on that opening wednesday 
or Thursday mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, to have those two Lansing schools come down and wrestle the two Battle Creek schools. And at the time, I believe you were both Class A. Yep. Central was Class A. And then Lakeview was a, a mid-sized B. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was great to be able to continue that old interconference rivalry from when, what was it, the uh, – the old, well, I forget the highway, but it was the yeah. conference that had Pioneer and Everett mm-hmm. and Sexton yeah. and Central and, you know. Mm-hmm. Before they split off and became the Capital Area Conference. And that's, um, Jackson actually had held on for the longest. Um, the, the Capital Area Conference, for those that don't know, the CAC, as it was called, um, used to be like, used to be really big. And then, but I want to say, and this is me just guessing, between the 70s and 80s, pared down to what we had at that time, which was all the Lansing schools, East Lansing, Waverly. Jackson was the furthest school, but even from Lansing, it's still like 35 minutes or something like that. So, Yeah. And then uh, just uh, as an individual, I was able to really link up with some great coaches across the state. I remember my freshman year. Remember, uh, we used to have freestyle and Greco State at Kellogg Arena every year. Yeah. And I remember going down there. And back then, if you wrestled Greco as well, you'd get the early weigh in. So right. I'd, leave, I'd leave school early. I'd get my Greco weigh in and uh, wrestle in the freestyle and Greco State tournament. Uh, I was fortunate enough to win Greco. I took second in uh, freestyle to Andy Welch from Clio, my old nemesis when we were ninth graders. And uh, I still give the cadet coaches hell to this day for taking him to the cadet duels as opposed to me. But, you know, I don't, that's a scar that'll never heal. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as a sophomore, I got better. Uh, still didn't get out of our district. As you remember, our district was really tough. And yep. uh, 215, my sophomore year, it was about as tough as it had ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down 9-1 to one to Thomas Martell from Lansing Eastern in the opening rat tail and ended up coming back and winning that match 11 to nine. Um, in the quarter bracket, I wrestled my old teammate, Matt Key Baldwin, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, and beat him seven to four, uh, in the quarters. And then our buddy, John Cargbo, <laughs> we wrestled to, I forget what the ultimate tiebreaker was, uh, when we were in high school, but I just remember John getting an ankle lace and me, just trying like hell to get out of it and couldn't do it. And, uh, ended up dropping that on the ultimate tiebreaker and, mm. uh, boy, he and Rashad had a good time with that, <laughs> but that ended up, you know, lost a lot of steam and ended up not, uh, not getting out of districts. My, uh, sophomore year, uh, my freshman year, I won 26 matches. My sophomore year, I won 36 matches. And then going into that summer, uh, wrestled in the team Michigan qualifier, didn't qualify, uh, lost to Cassell Beavers, uh, at the, uh, team Michigan qualifier. And, uh, God, he was a big guy. I mean, just, I don't know. I don't understand how anybody could ever score on that guy. <laughs> you know, Bob Gritter, I can see scoring on him because they both got lower bodies that are similar, mm. but uh, just trying to move that leg. Jeez, oh, oh, I was listening. One of my favorite people. Every time I see him, big hug, big mm-hmm. smile. Yeah, uh, one of the great champions in Michigan history. Yeah, and uh, so going into that summer, I went to the Michigan State camp, and I learned some hard lessons there. 
um, got beat up by John Wechter and Spencer Nadolski and Casey Nadolski and <laughs> uh, Rashad Evans. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just a litany of hammers they had at that time. Right. And learned some lessons there and won the little team tournament or the, the individual tournament at the end of it against the uh, guys from the intensive camp. And that goes to show you, if you just work on technique during the week and swim in the pool with the uh, with the other campers, you'll be just as good as going to the intensive camp. Right. <laughs> but uh, And then going into that year, I wasn't sure how good I was. You know, I knew I had some skills and I knew I, I knew how to wrestle and I was comfortable on the mat. And I think that was what was the biggest change for me is I was, you know, you had I had nervous energy, but uh, I was getting in these positions and I knew where to go. I knew how to find my way out. I wasn't worried if a guy got on my head. If I took a bad shot, I was able to get out of it. If I took a good shot, I was able to finish. Uh, and I was able to react and, and counter. And things were going really smoothly. And I started the year uh, 24-0. And we went up to, I believe, the Williamston tournament, the Jim Mooney Classic. Yeah. And I lost Jim a Mooney real tough match. Yes, yes. And... Uh, I remember them. I remember that mat they had. It was like the Lakers. It had the stars on it, and all the state champions from Williamston passed. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, boy, I need to do like the Simmons here and and everybody on my way out the door. It didn't happen, but uh, <laughs> had a really good year. Made a run to the uh, state semifinals, mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, complacency set in. Once I had no, once I had placed, once I had made it that far, you know those those voices start talking to you. Hey, you've done well. Hey, the worst you can do is sixth. Well, you know what? I ended up sixth. Lost yeah. my next next three matches, lost the semifinals, lost the uh, Concy semis, and then lost the fifth and sixth place match and took sixth as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, really encouraged me to get stronger, to get better, and spent the summer training hard. Uh, was fortunate uh, back in our day for certain practices, you had to be invited. Uh, and the junior duels team was having a closed practice for junior duel team members only. I decided to crash it. <laughs> I wasn't going to be told, you know, that I wasn't as good as these guys. And I was, I had every intention of go, showing up and beating the snot out of whoever was there and whichever spot I wanted. Right. And I get there and coach Tom Lehman, who, you know, yeah, he looks at me and he goes, you know, this is only for, dual team members right and i said well do you want me to go home i just drove all the way from battle creek <laughs> and he said no i guess i guess you're good so i got right. my stuff on and i got to work and i had a really good practice and uh i was just chasing down every champion and high placer and guy that you know i saw ahead of me on the ladder and made right. it a point to throttle that person because you know i didn't want to leave any doubts mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had a good practice, and Coach Lehman came up to me afterwards, and he said, Liam, we'd like to invite you to be our heavyweight on the junior duels team in Enid, Oklahoma. Cassell Beavers can't make weight. And I said, well, well yeah, yeah, I'm in. And this began a relationship with uh, Dave Beasley, who at the time was the head coach at Montrose. Mm-hmm. And really, another Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer you know, I, um, I'm very fortunate. My path has been beset with Hall of Famers and great coaches and wonderful people uh, along the way. But yeah, met Coach Beasley, and he really, out of all the coaches I've had, 
tweaking the mental of his competitor uh, way before, just prior, and after a competition, uh, second to none. I mean, that guy, when it comes to instilling positivity and self-belief in his athlete, second to none, and was very fortunate to have been one of his charges on that team. So we had a pretty good run at Junior Duels, and once again, great coaches on that staff. Coach Beasley, Coach McCourt, uh, yes. Coach Bunker, if you remember, guy with great big forearms from the bull <laughs> farmer. Yeah. yeah. Bunker was an animal. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, just a ton of great coach. Coach Beck, um, Coach Lehman, if, you know, Coach Evano. God, I, I don't want to forget anybody because there were just so many good coaches mm-hmm. on those old USAW teams. Yeah. And then uh, my senior year, I uh, lost a really tough match in the quarterfinals um, and then just had a heart-to-heart with myself uh, in the bowels of the, of the palace. And I said, mm-hmm. you can either – this can be it. You know, a lot of, a lot of my peers uh, didn't have stellar senior seasons, and they lost one or two matches uh, at the state tournament and didn't place as a senior. And I wasn't going to let that be me. Mm-hmm. So I went out of my way to ensure that I would get on that podium and pin my way out through the wrestlebacks. I think, I think one match went to a decision and uh, yeah, just worked hard to finish that tournament off the proper way and go out as a winner. And uh, that summer I, you know, had, uh, had some opportunities to do some different things. I could have been a preferred walk on at Western Michigan um, I was attempting to go to Michigan State, but I didn't really have the grades for that. But, mm-hmm. You know, and that's something I try to preach to my guys: get good grades. That's yep. uh, that's that's society's way of weeding us out. And if you you fail at that, you're going to start a little further back uh, when you become an adult. Oh yeah. But uh, ended up going to Olivet, where uh, Todd Hibbs had just become the head coach, and they're really working to revive that program. Um, made it about a semester and ended up going to KCC. And this is where my, my journey kind of veered a little bit. I stopped wrestling. I didn't have the fire anymore. Um, right. once, once the pursuit of the state title was gone, I didn't, you know, to me it was always to be a collegiate wrestler, to be a national champion, I would first have to be a state champion. And I know that's not true and that's been disproven and guys have you know gone on to have incredible careers and be national champions and never having placed at their high school state tournament right just where i was mentally that was my thought process well i I couldn't i couldn't get the job done as state champion i'm going to try to take this wrestling ability and go a different avenue so i started training with uh dan severin in cold water and once uh i started training down there I I thought, boy, this is a lot of getting hit in the face, and I'm not making any money. Uh-huh. So worked hard, finished my courses at KCC, got a pair of associate's degrees, was preparing to go to Western Michigan to be a special education teacher, uh, possibly an English minor, history minor, just something mm-hmm. complimentary. Yeah. And uh, really – had no intentions of being involved in the wrestling world anymore. I had been out of it for a little while. Uh, I didn't see any prospects at my local high school that were being super competitive or, or wanting 
to be coached or pushed hard. And then uh, I had a baby on the way. So I ended up having to get in the iron workers and I have a great trade and a great, great life and a great family. And I'm very fortunate, uh, but started volunteering in the early 2010s for battle Creek central, uh-huh. um, was a volunteer assistant for a few years just to help out with the upper weights. I, I really like being a volunteer assistant. You make your own <laughs> schedule. Oh yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> Trust me, you I, I'm a volunteer football coach, uh, at our school and, uh, it, it's, it's great flexibility. It is. And, you know, hey, coach, I'm not going to make it, but I'll be there for the meet. Hey, coach, <laughs> running a little late. I'll be there after skin check, you know. But you can't do that anymore. Now I'm the head guy, and I'm telling my assistants, hey, you need to be here at this time. <laughs> we got to make sure we get these guys warmed up. And what are you doing? You're killing me. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And so I was a volunteer assistant for a couple years, and then – took over as varsity assistant and I think I don't think I was as good of a varsity assistant as I could have been uh it's very difficult when you work a job that's physically demanding all day and then you turn around and you go into wrestling practice and you're running a two two and a half hour practice um and really trying to give your all to that and then you go home and you've got babies and you know significant others and you're trying to give your all to them mm-hmm. uh, I was an assistant for a couple of years and the head coach he kind of surveyed what was going on in the program and determined that it was best for him to step down uh, my plan was to also step down I was going to just kind of call it a call it a day I wasn't going to coach anymore uh, I kind of thought it was it was best I got on with my life and boy, was I wrong because my wife, who was then my girlfriend, uh, browbeat me into accepting the varsity head coaching position. <laughs> and despite, despite my protests and uh, giving her a litany of reasons why, you know, it would be a lot of work and a lot of time and uh, sacrifices that had to be made. Well, that didn't deter her. And. I applied, was fortunate. Uh, typically, non-teachers don't get jobs like that. Right. But I, I've got to be honest, it was the perfect storm. The, the program was in such bad shape. The current administration at that time was not looking to help the program get out of the hole it was in. And I think the assumption was that perhaps I'd be a, a stopgap for a year or two while they waited for Dan Gable to apply <laughs> because the then AD left my job posted <laughs> the entire time he was AD and I was right. head wrestling coach. Well, that didn't deter me. Uh, the first thing you have to do when you're building a program, especially for us, our program was so destitute. I mean, there was literally, I mean, there's, there's rock bottom, there's 10, 10 feet of poop, and then there's where we were. I mean, it was bad. Um, hadn't had a new mat in about 20 some odd years. Um, there was a big fundraising effort when I was in junior high for the wrestling program. And they bought two brand new Resolite mats and refurbished a third. Uh, that was 99. 
up until three years ago when uh, our new AD, Charles Siles, uh, took over. We hadn't had a new mat since 1999. Yeah. So along with uh, poor practice surfaces, poor competition surfaces, uh, lack of uniforms, lack of equipment, and just a general lack of support, the wrestling program was in very rough shape. Knowing what I know from being fortunate enough to have been around the Beasleys and the Lehmans and uh, the other great coaches that, you know, are out in this state and having seen the types of programs they built and also being teammates with guys like John Reeder and Brent Metcalf and uh, Lou Socher, Finkening, rep- represent. Yes, you know, right. Rest in peace, Louie. God, that guy was good. But, uh, oh, yeah. These things, you know, some things with wrestling are universal, and you can transfer what a Davison does, what a DCC does, what a what a Lowell does, and you can take bits and pieces of that and try to form that to the district or the program you have. And the underlying part of the equation is your youth feeder. And the time I was a child, uh, the time I was a, a young adult, until the, the time I took over, there was no Battle Creek Public youth wrestling program. It was only uh, Battle Creek Harbor Creek and Battle Creek Lakeview. Uh, I know Battle Creek Penfields had a program, but it, it seems to come and go depending on the year. Um, but as for us, we had never had a solid program. So the th- first thing I did year one, was we fundraised and we got club fees covered and we got the membership paid for and we got kids on the mat wrestling under our banner, even if it was only five or six guys. We've got a youth program and it can only grow from here. Mm -hmm. And much like when you have a young wrestler who has never wrestled before, you say, well, at least we're not fixing any bad habits. And I think the same can be said for the program I inherited. Uh, At least there was nothing, you know, there was no system in place. There was nothing built. There was nothing existing. So everything we were doing, we were starting from new and we could start the right way. There was no existing form. There was no existing person in place that was going to stop us from advancing the cause of youth wrestling in the Battle Creek public school system. Right. So we got that up and running, and uh, other than the COVID year, which I think shut down a lot of my way programs, we've been running that for about five, six years straight now, and we're finally starting to see the fruits of that at the high school. Uh, those same guys that were in our first my way youth programs went through our junior high programs and are now freshmen and sophomores, and we're looking at about 25 guys, freshmen, sophomore in our high school program right now, past wrestling experience from my way, from our junior high program and feeding directly into our high school. And um, the fundraising, along with that, we've, you've got to make sure that if you're building a program from scratch and you've got a program that, like wrestling, we, we don't often get the bulwark of the uh, athletic funds. So you've got to you've got to push the buttons where you can. You got to fundraise what you can, and you have to make sure you get the necessities for your program. When I took over, like I said, we didn't have any new mats. Now we have three brand new competition mats, two purchased by the school, a third. Uh, a grant was written by our AD, who once again 
I can't say enough good about the guy. He's been nothing but a friend and a proponent of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he provided us with, you know, he provided the JJ Watt Foundation rather with a grant and got us the third competition mat. So now we're looking at three brand new competition mats. Um, we have plenty of uniforms. We have singlets. We have warm ups. We have headgear. We have absolutely everything we need. Now, I'm still working on getting a wrestling room renovation, but uh, right. that's big bucks, you know, so I've got to keep pushing on that. Hopefully, we can provide that in a millage, you know, if any of our board members are listening. <laughs> Do you but, feel that as a alumnus of Battle Creek Central that that you are really giving like you're you're the ultimate alumni that's giving back to a program that meant so much to you like how does that make you feel it's it's a firm it's it's very affirmative you know it's it's great affirmation um and it feels good but uh i'd be lying if i said i don't have more work to do and i'm not satisfied with where we're at um I love it, and I think the reason I'm so passionate about the job I have is, like you said, because I'm an alumni, uh, because this program meant so much to me, and because of wearing the blue and gold meant so much to me. And um, more than anything, when I see guys like uh, the Johnson twins, you remember the Johnsons from Grand Ledge? From Grand yeah. Ledge, yes, yes. Brandon and, and Brad, known them since they were five, six years old. Love those dudes, but yeah. – Grand Ledge had all the nice stuff when we were in school. They had two or three sets of singlets. They had great warm-ups. They had the great shorts. Mm -hmm. And now I can, you know, my guys come to see my team, or my friends see my team, and they're like, holy cow, you guys are looking good. Man, we never had anything. I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to give these kids the program I wanted. Mm -hmm. Because when I was in high school, uh you know, I was very fortunate. I was very successful. I had 158 wins. I had 113 pins. I was a two-time state placer. I was a multi-time freestyle and Greco junior state champion. But I don't – and less for me. Uh, it's not because I need the pat on the back, but I, would, I knew that guys coming after me, what uh, if indifference to success and to uh, exceptional achievement – if, if the staff and if the school body are indifferent to it, what, what does it behoove the next generation? They're not, they're going to see that and they're going to say, I could win 160 matches. I could win 150 guys. I mm. could win state titles, but the school is not going to celebrate it. And that's something I feel like we've really had to change is making sure that the undefeated wrestler wins a state title is going to get as much notoriety as the two and seven football team that missed the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal to me as an alumni, and like you, I, I feel good. It's, it's affirmation, but never satisfied. And really, I feel like even though we've done so much in six years, we haven't done anything because we need to win a district, we need to win a regional, we need to get a team top eight in the state, uh, we need to toe the line with the DCCs, with the Davisons, with the other powers in Division One. Uh, need to get guys on the podium, multiple. Uh, and that comes down to myself and my coaching staff doing what we have to do and getting these guys prepared for an end-of-season run and filling these weight classes. But, yeah, I feel good about it. But at the same time, 
creeping, creeping voice in the back of my head. Always. We got to do more. We got to keep working. We've got to go harder. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. I mean, um, as, as a former head coach, we all have our, our people that, that we look to and admire and just the things about some of the programs you've mentioned, they, they do things a little bit different than everybody else, but one thing's for certain, they have consistency and continuity and they have a goal every year. And like I've told people before on the podcast, I'm really just talking to them that every, every program has issues, every coach has issues, but the level of issues are different. And I, it's great to hear your goals for the Bearcats and where you want them to go. And they're not, how to say it, they're not that far-fetched. You know, anything that's worth doing takes time. Uh, and and getting, getting those athletes ready and getting guys that understand how to wrestle when they come into high school. I mean, that's half the battle and filling the weight class. I mean, you're saying all great things that I know that you guys will be able to, to do that moving forward. Uh, my last question for you is um, for those new coaches that are, are those those aspiring coaches that want to get into to being a head coach at the high school level. What is some advice you would give to them um, to give them what they should do to be, have some success? My my first first order of business: you need to establish a youth program uh, before you pick a varsity assistant, before you worry about fundraising, before anything. The youth program has to be established because without the youth program, I said it earlier, you're treading water and, you know, there's sharks in the water. (laughs) They're out there. And if you don't have a youth program that fit now, especially that fifth or sixth grader that's on the fence, he's going to the program that has a youth feeder. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. Second, fundraising. You know, a lot of these coaches, it ain't 1970 no more. These kids (laughs) look good. They want to shine. They yeah. want to work that stuff, and whether right or wrong, that ain't that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss what we do about it, and we we have to play to that. So fundraising, having money in your account, being able to feed these guys, put these guys in the best apparel possible, getting headgear when you need it, anything you need, you know. And look at these college programs that get cut, you know, even the ones that are heavily endowed get cut. But the ones that are heavily endowed more than likely are protected more than likely. Not always. There's exceptions to every rule. Notre Dame, Eastern Michigan, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Or Eastern wasn't endowed, but they had they had the funds to continue wrestling, which is uh, I don't want to argue about that right now. But, <laughs> um, but as a as a high school coach, you've got to have some money in that account uh, to do what you need to do, you know, whether that's helping out with your club program, helping out with your high school program. It's all dependent on the athletic office and what they're willing to let a coach do unless you have your 501c3 and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then number three, you got to be positive because there were some dark days in the Battle Creek Central program. I mean, there were some years, uh, my old assistant coach Harvey, who's not going to be with us this season, but he's done a great job the last five years of working with me. You know, we had some years where we had five guys, seven guys, ten guys. And it wasn't like we had one world beater amongst them. You know, we had some guys that were, uh, they were 500 wrestlers. Mm-hmm. But you have to maintain that positivity. You have to show up every day excited yeah. to go to work, excited to train those guys, whether it's the state champion or the state champion. You know, you've got to train these guys. You've got to stay positive, And you've got to be the face of the program. Because if someone sees you falter, 
someone sees you lose, lose faith, the whole thing falls apart. Right. So, so true. So true. Oh, Liam, as always, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you and listening to your story and your philosophy on coaching. You have obviously had an amazing background with all these great coaches that have influenced you to be the person you are. You're a great family man and you do great things and looking forward to see what the Bearcats do this year in 2022. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.